the diamond I realized the diamond. Diamond. This is one time The Empathy Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. Our justice. Our justice. Our justice. Our justice. You're listening to Our Justice, a series of true stories and conversations co-produced by three young people with experience of the Scottish justice system. I'm Rhys. So hey Kayleigh, thanks for joining me today. We have really similar backgrounds in a lot of different ways. Could you talk a bit about what it was like growing up for you? Well, we had quite a similar upbringing, and I think that has a lot to do with the areas that we grew up in, in a council estate. But I grew up like it was mostly worrying about money a lot. Like, where is the next paycheck coming for you? Where is the next meal coming for you? Like, well, that's my personal experience. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure it was kind of the same thing. And dealing with mums that also had, like, really bad mental health issues themselves. I'd say my mum kind of had money at a lot of points, but also didn't at points. But a lot of the money, it was through, like, not legal avenues, I guess she would do whatever she needed to do to live the lifestyle that she wanted to live. Like, that's actually the kind of opposite of what I want to do now, in a sense. Do you get what I mean? Oh, 100%. Like, because for me, it was, like, a pure money struggle, but it wasn't my money struggle. It was my mum's money struggle, but it made me so much more aware as a younger person, like, being in school with my peers and stuff like that, realising, like, oh, wait a minute, you just live kind of differently through what I live. And then I think that caused a lot of self-hate, a lot of embarrassment. And I didn't really realise that until I grew up and I did meet people like you and we had conversations with people that were on the same exact situation. Yeah, like in different ways, but still kind of the same kind of situations, the same themes. It was like a struggle for money. There was a lot of violence. Like violence was so predominant and it wasn't, it was normal. A lot of anger as well. I, and it's like, as you grew up, you didn't really see how unnormal it was, I guess, until you kind of come out of it and you kind of reflect back on it. So you're one of my longest friends and I'd say you've seen me through some of my probably hardest moments as well as some of my best moments, like in recovery and stuff. So could you speak a bit about, I guess, your experience of being a friend of someone with a borderline personality disorder diagnosis? Oh, uh, well... As I say, like at the beginning, we all had the same kind of upbringing. We all had the same kind of reactions to things. It was their violent, really bad behaviour, like no caring that the law exists. Like to us, the law was just something that we had to stay away from, like try and hide from. <laughs> so to me, it wasn't so unnormal. I just assumed that you were a wee bit more reactive than us, or you are overreacting about stuff for you that's just your world like you don't know any different but I it wasn't until like I remember you saying you were on a bus and the bus driver I don't know he'd said something to you you told me that in that moment you genuinely wanted to hurt him you wanted to see him be hurt for how he made you feel and then that's when I realized that's no right and then that's obviously when you went to get your diagnosis and see when you were finally diagnosed, it will make you feel, oh, wait a minute, it's no that I'm no normal, I'm, there's something wrong here. It made me feel relieved 
because up until that point, from probably about age 10, my anger really like blew up. And I knew that at my age, even the way that I was reacting was so extreme, but I didn't know why. So I just felt very confused about, I guess, who I was as a person as well. I do not remember meeting anyone with borderline before my diagnosis. So, so like before, when I would see my behaviour, I could see my behaviour in a lot of different people, but I still felt different. So when I got the diagnosis and I kind of self-taught and read into it and was doing therapy, and I seen all this behaviour that I displayed that I really, really, really resonated with, so it made me go, oh, like, wow. Like, so there is something that like explains why I've felt this way for so long, whereas before I didn't have that. So I think it made me worse. Do you get what I mean? Because I just didn't have any explanation. So yeah, I think it did really help me feel a lot more sure and a lot more of myself. I mean, we have like a fall on it or whatever, because I'm not going to lie, like obviously your diagnosis does get in the way of certain parts of our friendship. But then see when we have that cool off period, like, because that's what I do, I give you a cool off period. Well, we've had a big blow up, uh, but I know that it's not that deep. So I go away for a couple of days and then that gives you time to sort out your brain. It gives me time to sort out what I could have done better because things that I'll be saying will be triggering you as well. So it takes me my time to realise, right, what have I done here? How could I have handled this better? And I know that you're doing the same. And then that's why we always come back. Like, I could be that person that doesn't understand you and walks away. And obviously that's where BPD comes for, like a fear of abandonment. And obviously you do have things that are going to trigger other people to leave. That's what's a shame about it because there'll be people in your relationship that haven't gave you a chance because they don't understand. Yeah, I'm a really, really, really protective person. Like one of my biggest, I guess, things that I've started to realise is that the most time I'm likely to probably fight has been in situations where somebody's came for somebody I care about and I've tried to warn them or tried to defuse it and tried to like split up the situation. And then like that, that, that for me is a trigger. I think that that comes from kind of my upbringing and how much, I guess, my mother probably relied on me from such a young age and how much, I guess, she was kind of going through different abuse situations with different men because of kind of her self-esteem and mental health issues. I grew up knowing that she was getting, I guess, gaslit a lot and all these different things were happening and I would be, like, arguing and fighting with all these kind of men. So I think, like, probably that part of me having to be so protective from such a young age for such a long time is probably stuck with me now, but it's such a trigger that when somebody I really deeply care about, somebody's, like, going to hurt them, it's like I just can't help it. I've got better at it. There's some weeks when I feel that I can handle anything and I handle things so well. And there are some weeks where I just feel that I go back like five steps. I was going to say, because you brought up your mum there, let's see how when she had a lawyer in mental health issues and obviously the system failed her. See how when her anniversary comes up, like how do you feel? Do you feel let down by the system? Yeah, well, my mum was kind of let down by the system, but I'm not going to lie and say she didn't bring some of it on herself although she was mentally ill there's also a part where I have an understanding for everything that she went through and all the things that happened to her which was much much worse than what happened to me or what I'd been through so I understand how much I can feel off the scale at times and I've been through nowhere near what she has so 
I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in her head every day at our anniversary. That's what I think about a lot. Me and you, like, we could have went the exact same way as what our mums did because the reason that they are aware of the way that they are is because either mental health issues that one they dealt with that people wouldn't listen to, we could have totally went the exact same route, not getting diagnosed, like, no understanding what mental health is, and then eventually our children ending up the same. That's probably my main goal in life is to completely not be that and make sure that my wins and my kids are all right. Yeah, 100% agree. What's your opinion on the relationship between mental health conditions and the criminal justice system? If you think about it, like the biggest trending thing on YouTube right now is murder mystery and true crime. Like, where is the, oh, this guy saved a random baby from a burning building? Like, they're the stories that I want to hear. I want to hear, like, triumphs in humanity being better, but we're constantly glamorising, like, serial killers. Like, like see, you've done a TED Talk. Like, we grew up in a council estate, and you're one of my best pals. Like, see how seeing you do that? To me, that was absolutely amazing. But people always bring up, the things that you've done that are wrong and I think that's why you constantly detail people your story because you're wanting to know be seen as that bad person like you're trying your hardest to get the help and go to therapy I do think I do sometimes bring up myself a bit I'm not gonna lie but I also do agree with your point that I do think sometimes people just want to jump onto my kind of past or jump onto that kind of bad behavior and I, I do think I buy into it sometimes with my reactions right that's because obviously we've been pure trained to be like that people want to get the gossipy part they want to get why you're like that do you think the prison system um do you think it doesn't help people and what changes would you like to see i guess in the criminal justice system i 100 percent believe in rehabilitation actually knowing people that have been in prison these people constantly reoffend for a reason like like if they were to just go through somebody's past give them the diagnosis that they need give them the help that they need and give them the opportunities to find out what their skills are and give them the opportunities to thrive. 100%. They're saying that they don't have the money to rehabilitate people, but they have a money to buy a new yacht. <laughs> they have <laughs> money to go and have parties behind the public's back when we're all stuck indoors. Like, there is funding there. What I like about Scotland and our kind of criminal justice system that's changing is that they've brought in, like, if your kind of conviction leads to like a 12 month for less sentence then you can't be put in prison what I think about that is well you put someone in prison for say two months or three months and they've had a really good life and a really good job you shove them in prison for three months and they've lost their job and everything and then they come out three months later and they go out to try and get a job and they've been in prison so therefore everybody shuts the door in them they're in a position where they have no option but what is a person going to do they're going do whatever they need to do in order to survive. Um, but I do think, like, in something from doing criminal justice as part of my kind of social work degree, and one of the discussions that I used to love talking about was restorative justice. And I don't get why the UK doesn't really widely use it that much. So restorative justice is where basically it's say I committed a crime and I caused that person, like, some sort of, I guess, trauma in some way. And they would get an opportunity if they wanted to face me and ask me whatever questions they needed to ask. So the reason they do it is they say that it actually helps take the power back to the victim. The way we deal with it, with the court system, we kind of take everything away from the victim 
and the kind of court deals with it, which keeps the fear in it. So restorative justice, it's so like effective, like victims, it really helps with their like kind of PTSD symptoms. And it also helps the perpetrator because they also then have to face what they've done, which then also helps them to not want to kind of do that again. I think what they should be doing is like restorative justice type things and then also putting in the support, like therapy or medication or kind of whatever support it is they need in order to not make those decisions and go down that kind of route. But I think it does just start with a conversation. Like, it starts with why have you committed this crime? Like, what was your upbringing? Like, everybody has the same type of story. It's not the same very specifically, but it all comes from trauma. And if that inner child trauma is dealt with on some level, it's easier for adults to be able to have the tools to deal with everyday life. So, and, and that's another thing, like, say somebody's committed a few different crimes, like fights here and there, or drug dealing or something, but, like, very low level, and they're in a situation where their home life's all over the place, I guess, and their kind of school life and everything's kind of the way that I was brought up for you or other people, like, why I think the police should be able to try and offer them ways out, like, okay, you've done this, they're still kind of, like, get held accountable, but if they complete six months therapy, then they won't be charged for that crime. Do you get what I mean? Like, I think there's ways like that. I just think they should be able to give more opportunities to, like, maybe not prosecute if you complete this kind of programme. And although they do have those kind of powers, I do not hear of it being used that much. I know it's mostly just kind of deal with the problem whilst it's here, and then if they reoffend, we'll deal with that when it comes. And it's like, no, I think the whole point is trying to get this person to go back into society and make sure that not only everybody around them feels safe, but they feel safe to go ahead and live their own life yeah and governments as well like they're all meant to be linked up and kind of share information with each other so that therefore they can all work as a multidisciplinary team but that never really happens either and so much gets missed and I think they should design a system where courts and social workers and police and all that are all working really collaboratively to then kind of work out the best support if they can all put different bits of information about one person together, then they're going to get a good enough picture to go, right, what can we do here? And they've all got different kind of positions and powers to then help this person. I remember when you were going to get charged, you had to ask your lawyer to bring up your social work files. That actually sparked something in my brain. I was like, why is that not just an automatic thing? Why is it not, before exactly before these charges get read out, you get to hear that person's background story? Because otherwise you're going to just have a, like a bias against that person like oh wait a minute that person does bad things they're a bad person it's like no like people have stories like people are going through some shit it just always seems very like get charged end of because that's the easiest way to deal with people but see how when you are getting dealt with like that you feel like shit they're doing this because it's the easiest way to do it they don't actually care because a lot of people out there are causing these crimes to survive like but it's just the understanding behind that and I feel like it makes that person feel like nobody cares about them. Not even their injustice system. So thank you, Kaylee, for joining me on this podcast. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for inviting me. You know that I would never take up the chance to have a good conversation with you. We have these conversations all the time. It's just you know that other people are hearing them. <laughs> yeah, basically. But thank you. Thank you for listening to Our Justice. This is a Boldface production in partnership with Community Justice Scotland and the Empathy Museum. Music